we're going to open God's word together and read from it before Wellesley comes and preaches from this passage. We're going to be in John chapter 10, uh, verses 11 to 21. Uh, again, so you can see on the screen, that's on page 1076 in the smaller church Bibles or in the large print, uh, 1633. John chapter 10, verse 11 to 21. And these are the words of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon possessed. And raving mad, why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Good evening, everyone. Do keep that passage open. And let's pray to God, shall we, that he would help us understand it and apply it to our lives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we were thinking about this morning, about being a church devoted to learning. We pray now that as we come under the sound of your word, that you would teach us through your word, by your spirit. And Lord, please help us not just to understand things about the good shepherd, but help us to learn to love the good shepherd and to follow the good shepherd with all of our lives. Please do inform our minds. But Lord, at the same time, please move our hearts to love you and to worship you with all of our lives. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, for those of you who were with us last week, you may remember that we summarized the first 10 verses of John chapter 10 with these words on the screen. Jesus, as the true shepherd of the sheep, is gathering a flock to himself in order to give them life. Jesus, as the true shepherd of the sheep, God himself, who entered time and space and history, who entered this world, is in the business of gathering. Gathering weak, 
wandering, wayward sheep like us to himself in order to give us life. A life of safety and a life of plenty. And that's where we finished last week in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, says Jesus, that they may have life and have it to the full. That was last week. And so we've done the why. Why did Jesus come? He came to gather and he came to give life. But the question we're left asking now is how? How does Jesus do it? How does he give life? How does Jesus open up the gate to eternity, which he promised to do last week? Well, the answer is given to us five times in this next section. He does it by laying down his life for the sheep. Verse 11, verse 15, verse 17, and twice in verse 18. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But I don't know if you notice as we were reading verses 17 and 18, he doesn't just lay down his life, but he takes it up again. The reason my father loves me, says Jesus, is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. You see, in one sense, we all have the authority to lay down our life. Fathers have the authority to jump into a raging river and save their child at the expense of their own life. Soldiers have the authority to take a bullet for a comrade, to lay down their life for queen and for country. But here's the thing, they don't have the authority to take it back. People can lay down their lives, but they cannot take back their life. That is an authority that belongs to God alone. Which is why the claim that Jesus makes about himself in John chapter 10 is so divisive. Do you see that at the end of this section in verse 19 through to 21, the Jews heard these words and were again divided. Many of them said he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? It was C.S. Lewis who said that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. He's either an evil, manipulative deceiver who has led millions astray across the centuries. Liar. Or he's a lunatic. He doesn't know what he's saying. He's deluded. He's a madman. That's the accusation here in verse 20. Or he's the Lord himself, the good shepherd, God himself, who came into this world with absolute authority, authority to lay down his life for the sake of the sheep and authority to take it back. Jesus is the good shepherd of the sheep. And there's four points for us this evening as we, as we work through these verses and think about and reflect upon the life of the good shepherd. And the first one 
hopefully won't surprise you. The good shepherd dies for his sheep. Verse 11, there it is. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And the opening two words that you find there in verse 11, you see them again there in verse 14. I am, says Jesus. They aren't simply a self-declaration, but a divine declaration. Jesus is borrowing the words that God himself used back in Exodus chapter 3 when he spoke to Moses from the burning bush. As he was sending Moses to Pharaoh, and Moses says, who shall I say sent me? And God says, I am who I am. If you want to know what I am like, says God, watch me in action. I am who I am. And so when Jesus uses these words here to describe himself, as he did last week when he said, I am the gates, and as he does on five other occasions in John's gospel, it is no less than a divine declaration to be God. I am the good shepherd. And the word good that you see there as well doesn't just uh, convey the sense of, of sound character, this sort of level of morality. It conveys a sense of beauty and of worth. You see, there is something quite beautiful about the person and work of Jesus, which I hope and I pray we will all see and experience this evening, that we wouldn't just learn facts about Jesus, but our hearts would be moved that we would see and savor the wonder of Christ and all that he has done for us. I am the good shepherd, which as we saw last week is both a picture of protection and provision. Yeah, protection in the pen and provision out in the pastures. And as the good shepherd, Jesus leads us wonderfully to both. The shepherd's a picture of strength. It's a picture of humility. And it's a picture that throughout the Old Testament carries these overtones of kingly authority. David, of course, being the prototype shepherd king. And here we see that Jesus uses that kingly divine authority, that majestic power of the great I am. He uses that humbly to lay down his life for the sheep. I don't know whether any of you have seen the film Bridge Over River Kwai. It's a film that was set around uh, the Second World War in, in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. And uh, they were building the, um, the Burma Railway. And obviously this setting is around where they built this bridge over the River Kwai. And the prisoners of war were abused, brutally used to build this structure here. And halfway through the film, there's this pretty moving moment when after another another brutal day for the prisoners they're lined up as they were at the end of each day and all the all the shovels and the pickaxes and the tools were counted and one spade was found to be missing and so the Japanese officer walks along this line and he threatens to shoot every single person one by one until the guilty thief steps forward and then there's this moment of silence 
until one man steps out of the line and is duly beaten and shot and killed. And it's only a little bit later in the film that you actually realize when they recount the tools that no spades were missing. It was a miscount. But this one man stepped out of the line in order to lay down his life for his friends. And you see, when it comes to the death of Jesus, the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep, in some ways it's similar, right? An innocent man steps forward to take the blame for his friends. But of course, in another way, the death of the Lord Jesus is gloriously different to that. Because you see, Jesus didn't just lay down his life to save temporarily a handful of friends. The good shepherd laid down his life to save for eternity. Not a handful, but a multitude of believers. And he did it by laying down his life on the cross, by bearing our sin in his place. Familiar words for you probably from Isaiah 53 verse 6. We all like sheep gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Every one of us turned away from God, stuck up the spiritual visa, our creator, and said, God, thanks, no thanks, my way, my life, my time, I'll do what I want. We've all wandered away from God. Yet as the good shepherd, he graciously came looking for us to seek and save the lost. And our sin... Our wanderings, our waywardness was all laid to the account of the Lord Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Him for me. Jesus in my place. And he did it to reconcile, to bring us back into a relationship with God himself, who is the source of all life and all goodness and all joy. And do you remember those words, the final words, pretty much, of the Lord Jesus on the cross with his dying breath? It is finished. It's done. What's finished? What's done? Well, the work of the good shepherd in laying down his life for the sheep, paying the full penalty of sin so that we might walk in through the gate to an eternity with him. Verse 9, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Trust in Christ, come to Christ, and you will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture, a life of safety, And a life of plenty. You see, the death of Jesus was both deliberate and decisive. It was both planned and perfectly effective. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And secondly, the good shepherd cares for his sheep. You see, 
Jesus' care for his sheep isn't restricted to that one supreme act of sacrificial love. There is an ongoing watch of care that the good shepherd has for his sheep, which is clear from the verses that follow, verse 12 and verse 13. This contrast that we see between the shepherd and the hired hand. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away. Why? Because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I think it's fair to say that generally we look after the things that we own, the things that we be- that belong to us better than things that don't. For example, houses that people own generally let, get looked after better than rental properties. Not all the time, but generally. Cars that people own get looked after better than rental cars. Bikes that people own get looked after better than rental bikes. Sheep that shepherds own get looked after better than those under the watch of the hired hand. And you can see the contrast here in the table, contrasts that are drawn there from those two verses, verse 12 and verse 13. The shepherd owns a sheep. For the hired hand, it's just a job, no more. Shepherds protect their sheep, but the hired hand will abandon their sheep at the first sign of trouble and they will run. Shepherds care for their sheep immensely. But a hired hand, as we read in verse 13, cares nothing for the sheep. You see, a hired hand is not invested in the sheep in the same way, right? A shepherd owns, a shepherd loves, a shepherd cares, a shepherd will do anything to protect and to provide for his sheep, even if it means laying down his life. But a hired hand is only in it for the pay packet at the end of the day. And Jesus is our good shepherd and now of course our our care for each other will always fall short of the good shepherd's care for us right always but it's part of our responsibility for each other as brothers and sisters in christ under our ultimate shepherd to care for and to take responsibility for each other And just for a few moments, I want to try and apply that that picture of shepherding to our own lives. What does that really look like to shepherd each other, to, to care for each other's hearts and souls? And it's a challenge, of course, to us all in the room, but maybe most acutely to those in positions of leadership. I wonder, are we more like the shepherd or sometimes are we more like the hired hand? To what lengths will we go to to look after each other? Not just physically, but spiritually. To take care of each other's souls. And there's four questions that are going to come up on the screen, which I'd love you to ask yourself. And here's the first one. Are we leading others daily to the green pastures of God's word on which to feed? Are we feeding each other's souls? We thought about this this morning, being a learning church. It's a responsibility that we have for each other to help each other learn, to help each other grow. Parents, are we feeding our children? 
Home group leaders, ministry leaders, are we feeding our people by taking them to the word of God? Husbands, are we feeding our wives? Elders, are we feeding the flock? Are we helping bring each other on a daily basis to the soul-nourishing truths of God's word? Because if we're not doing that as a church family, then I'd suggest we're failing in some way in our care for each other. Secondly, are we praying? Are we praying for the spiritual protection from what we saw last week, from the wolves and the thieves and the robbers? Because the reality is there is people, there is an evil one out here in the world seeking to destroy and take life. As a church, will we commit to praying for each other, for God's protection over our hearts? As the Lord Jesus himself instructs us to in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. One of the most neglected lines of the Lord's Prayer. Will we commit to praying for each other? Thirdly, are we ready to make sacrifices for the good of each other? To lay aside maybe those worldly comforts for the sake of each other, just as the shepherd does for the sheep on a daily basis. The long, hard, grueling hours of the night, putting your body on the line, giving up some of the delights and the comforts of life in order to care for those whom the Lord has put around us. And then fourthly, I wonder are we willing to take godly risks for the sake of those lost sheep who are yet to be gathered in? You see, we often talk about shepherds caring for those they've already made safe, those already in the fold, in the pen. But you know what? The Bible has an awful lot to say about the shepherd going to seek and to save the lost. And you know what? A missional life as a church can be a pretty costly life at times. I wonder are we willing to take godly risks for the sake of other sheep who are yet to be drawn into the fold. The good shepherd dies for his sheep. The good shepherd cares for his sheep. And thirdly, the good shepherd knows his sheep. Have a look down again, verse 14 and 15. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as a father knows me, And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The fact that Jesus knows me, and the fact that Jesus knows you, does that not make his love for you all the more remarkable? As we stop to reflect upon the waywardness of our hearts and our lives, and the sin that is within As we've sung in that song already, as Caroline, as you've just prayed, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name, the Almighty God. You see the depths of my heart and you love me the same. He sees everything. He knows every hair on your head, they're all numbered. Every thought, every word, every deed, before that thought is even formed in your mind, before that word has passed your lips, before that deed has done, your whole life laid out before him. He sees it all. 
And yet, he loves us. He loves us still. And what's maybe even more remarkable than that, if that is possible, is that we can know him. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. We can know him. We can know God. And do you see how we can know him? Do you see the quality of that relationship? Jesus likens it to the relationship between himself and his father. I know my sheep, my sheep know me. How? Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Jesus is as bound to his sheep as he is to his own Father. That is how strong and deep and firm and lasting and endurable our relationship with Jesus is. A relationship that begins at the cross when we trust him. And continues into glory. And as we'll see next week when we come to our third part, we're held by the shepherd. Because from the moment you trust Christ, he holds you. And he will keep you until that day we stand in glory and know the full joys of seeing our saviour shepherd face to face. The good shepherd dies for his sheep. The good shepherd cares for his sheep. The good shepherd knows his sheep. And then lastly, the good shepherd has other sheep. Verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Those words from John 10 verse 16 are inscribed on a stone in Westminster Abbey above the grave of David Livingstone, the great explorer and missionary. Words that have persuaded countless Christians to leave the comfort of these shores and go shepherding in the unreached corners of this world. Oh, what a beautiful line. I have other sheep. Yes, Jesus came first to the sheep pen of Israel. He came to call the Jews first. They were the first people he called. But wonderfully, he has other sheep beyond the fold of Israel. And as I look out on the room this evening, this room is testimony to the fact of John 10 verse 16. Because we are numbered by God's grace in those other sheep. And Jesus says, I must bring them in. And praise God, he has. (laughs) What he said in John 10, verse 16, you're the fruit of this evening. He said, I'm going to get them. I'm going to come and find them. I'm going to seek them. I'm going to die for them. I'm going to bring them into my fold. And praise God, he has. And praise God, he still is. Because you see, the true shepherd of the sheep is still In the business today of gathering sheep, a flock to himself in order to give them life and life in all its fullness. And that alone, that one verse alone should be enough to get you out of bed every single morning and hit that day with absolute purpose. Knowing that there's other sheep, there's other sheep still to be called people in our lives 
People in our streets, people in, in our workplaces. People whom the Lord Jesus is calling to himself, if only his voice could be heard. That we might follow the good shepherd and speak on his behalf. Just flick if you would, we're just going to make one cross reference if we, as we finish. If you flick over to Acts uh, chapter 18 where we pick up with Paul in Corinth. Because that principle there in, in John 10 verse 16, that I have other sheep. There's still more people to come in. We see that principle fleshed out here in, in the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 18 and we're going to read verse 9 through to verse 11. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you. Because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half. Teaching them the word of God. Do you see the point? The Lord says to Paul. There's other sheep still here in Corinth. There's other people that need to hear the gospel. Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. And wonderfully, the apostle obeys, doesn't he? In verse 11, and he preaches the gospel. For a year and a half, as the Lord draws more people to himself and maybe at this point in time maybe we're in that similar position maybe the lord is saying stay where you are wherever you are at this minute stay where you are because there's people around you who need to listen to the voice of the good shepherd and by his grace respond to that voice or maybe like at other times when when the lord nudges the apostle paul on and says get up and go I've got other places for you to be. Maybe the Lord is placing a burden on your heart to do something a bit different. To take the gospel to the, to the unreached people groups of this world and indeed the unreached people groups of our own nation. If he is, if the Lord is nudging you, if the Lord is calling you, then go. Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent and you see whether we go or whether we stay will we be a people who pray for global mission and for the gathering of sheep from all nations one worldwide flock under the care of one good shepherd and so as we draw things to a close we've had a few moments to reflect upon the person and work of Jesus. And I hope as we've done that, that you can now see more clearly why Jesus is the good shepherd. I hope you've seen. I hope you've tasted. I hope you've experienced something of his goodness and his beauty this evening. The good shepherd dies for his sheep, cares for his sheep, knows his sheep, and is still gathering in other sheep. Jesus is our divine saviour. God himself, who came to shepherd his people to life. He's our deliberate saviour. He purposefully laid down his life 
for us only to take it back again. And he's our defiant savior who will not be thwarted in his mission of gathering the nations to himself for their good and for his glory. Why don't you just take a few moments? We're going to sing in Christ alone as we close our time together, as we focus on the the reality that it's in Christ. It's in the good shepherd alone that life is found. But why don't you just spend 30 seconds or a minute, just pick one of those things maybe. The life of the good shepherd. Reflect on it and thank God for it. Let's close our service together. In prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for the truths of this passage. Father God, we thank you that Jesus is the good shepherd. And that as the good shepherd, he laid down his life for us. The perfect saviour. Gave up his life for me. Broken, weak wayward, rebellious for us Lord I pray that we'd be able to rejoice in that this evening Lord that you know us and that we can know you because of the cross of Christ and Lord I pray as well that we'd be able to look outside of ourselves at the world around us to know the truth that there are other sheep Lord that you will call to yourself so please may we be grateful but also outward looking as we leave this place to our communities, to our friends, to our family, to our workplaces. And Lord, please use us as your sheep to reach the lost around us. So Lord, Father, we pray these things and we ask that you'd repress them upon our hearts and please go with us and help us to live them out as we leave here. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.